Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. In last week's podcast, we talked about the positive aspects of comfort zones, uh, how they can increase our pleasure in our work and our overall energy and productivity. And we contrasted that zone uh, that feels good and full of energy with the comfort zone that is more of a rut than a groove. An aspect of comfort zones that we also touched on is one in which uh, the artist explores many different approaches without committing to anything very deeply. Uh, Today we will talk more closely about this kind of art practice. And with me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. And this is something that we've, we've talked about actually quite a bit is is kind of trying a bunch of different things and yeah. um so i think we're going to talk about some of the positives and negatives of that today <laughs> there is so much about the art practice that has well this and then that well this but on the other hand that <laughs> so there's so much about balance and um going too far in one direction can be problematic uh when i teach workshops and i i usually i almost always have individual time with each student where I say, um, tell me about what you've been doing. What's your work been like the last couple of years? Where are you heading? This kind of thing. Something that people often say as something they're not happy with is that they're too scattered. Their work is all over the place. And we'll look at their website and they'll have a lot of different categories for work. And we'll look at some of the work and it doesn't really seem to relate one category to another and uh, other kind of issues with that. So they're not happy with it. Other times people will say in a more positive way, well, I just have so many interests. There's so many things that I want to try. And so I, I'm, all, I, I'm all excited about all these things to do. And so they truly are feeling good about what they're doing. And so I have been thinking about that because I guess I want to talk about how that can be a good thing to have a lot of interests and how to explore them, but also the positive things about focusing and um, finding a more focused path. But in either case, whatever, whatever it is, and there's two sides and more to this whole topic. It has to do with people who are doing a lot of different things, whether it's the materials they're using, the styles, the subject matter, um, any of that. And I guess I'd start first with, with, with the positive side of it. And this is very positive when you're starting out your art journey and you're, you don't really know, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary you don't just start out by choosing one thing and sticking to it. Usually, most people try different media and different ways of working. And so, if you if you know that that's the stage you're in, this is absolutely fine, and it's what you should be doing. You should be experimenting and being very open. And it can also happen in a good way, like you're blocked. You're you kind of come to the end of something that you've been working on, and maybe it's time to expand your your choices. So, and then I I also want to say, absolutely, there are well-developed artists that work within a variety of media. And they tend to be, um, it tends to be work that's 
conceptually driven. There's some kind of underlying ideas or emotions or even visual uh things from the visual world that unite their various approaches. Somebody might be interested in the human figure and work in sculpture, painting, drawing, printmaking, but there would be a consistent interest that was connecting all these things. And that seems very healthy and very mature way of working um, to me. And I mean, there are other artists that have worked different ways in different media. I mean, probably the one that comes right to mind is Picasso. And anybody who's familiar with his work can say, oh, he worked in painting, drawing, ceramics, printmaking, and a lot of different subjects as well. So from very, very highly abstracted work to somewhat um, more naturalistic work. And, you know, nobody's going to say Picasso wasn't uh, a very interesting artist who generated a lot of ideas, but there was something Picasso about everything he did, and and you could identify it. Well, and and that's really true of uh, of many of the the kind of the great masters, um, where they would work in three D and two D with different subject matters. Um, you know, Da Vinci comes to mind. Uh, oh yeah, Michelangelo. Yeah. Um, you know, and so they, I really like some of these great art figures um you know they they had very broad approaches to yeah. to what they were going to work with right and they i think that is it's sort of the idea that well you said that like the renaissance man the, right. or the renaissance person who has many interests that they can pursue quite well they're very strong in number of areas if that's you and all that is excellent and i think that uh, way of diversifying to explore ideas is incredible. And there are a lot of, I guess, conceptual artists of today that you go into a gallery of one person's work and you might see all kinds of different things, but there would be something connecting them. Another artist that comes to mind is Gerhard Richter, who, um, if you're familiar with his work, has done absolute pure abstraction, has done high realism, and I was in a, a room full of his work. I think it was at the Art Institute in Chicago. And it was quite interesting to look at these different examples of his work from different periods of time and see things that connected them. And one of them I noticed was a, a sense of luminosity in a lot of his work, whether it was a, a realistic painting of a candle or the luminosity that comes through in his um, work that he did with these giant squeegees and things, a very abstract work. And it it was all somehow him, and he's a great painter. So, I, you know, I definitely wanted to mention that I'm not saying that you can't excel with a number of different media. It takes it takes a strong concept. I think I think it takes a strong um, inner drive, vision, whatever that is. So, these are all. This is a positive thing about doing a lot of different things. But what is not happening there is just a skimming of the surface. And the, the sort of the more superficial skipping around a lot uh, isn't what isn't what those people are doing. They have attained mastery of different different ways of working uh, over time. So well, and, and I'm going to put on my, my crass businessman hat for okay, just a second. Okay, you go right ahead, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm going to say that um, 
it really seems like uh, when when this is done successfully, it's done with a a sense of kind of personal brand. Um, and, and that there are some people who are going to have a very strong sense of personal brand naturally. And could I interrupt for just a minute? Yeah. Uh, we call it personal voice. Okay. <laughs> we artists. Okay. Well, semantics aside, um, <laughs> I think, I think that there are, you know, is it, if it's something that you need to work at and construct and do intentionally um, in order to achieve, then that's something that you need to do. Um, yeah. You know, some people are just going to do it very naturally and everything they do is going to be, it's going to have that sense of voice, you know, where, where it's clear that this is this person coming through. Um, but you know, that I think that you need to be comfortable, you know, as you're broadening your approach to, various art forms and techniques, uh, you should be comfortable saying, uh, that's not me, you know, or as we would say in the crass business world, (laughs) that's off brand, you know, don't be off brand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's something that you should be comfortable looking at and saying, you know, is this me or is this not me? Right. And if it's, if it's you, then it'll fit with everything else you're doing. And if it's not you, then it won't. And that's, that's, and that's when it's going to look just kind of haphazard and all over the place. And Mm -hmm. and like things are not related um, is because it's, there isn't that sense of your personality involved in it. That that's, that is very basic. And I know it's something I've picked up from teaching with Jerry because he always says, ask yourself, is it me? When you when you're looking at what you do, and it's a very direct, simple way to know if you're connecting with what you do. You're not going to connect in the same way if you're doing ten different things, and you're not a highly developed artist. You're not going to connect in the same way with all of those. And so, like many things, it is a matter of this kind of honest self evaluation and questioning yourself, and not just saying, "Oh, somebody else might like that," which is one of the pitfalls. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that people will say when they show me a website full of 10 different ways of working, oh, this is one for this gallery, and this one I do because so-and-so likes it, or whatever it is, um, okay, uh, I'm not going to say that's wrong, but to truly develop, you take your work to another level that is more personal and speaks of you, you have to let go of some of those things and and do what you're saying, do that intense self-reflection what is right for me and it's hard to know sometimes we have lots of voices in our heads that can interfere with that channel to who you really are yeah but the 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 basic kind of mechanism is is actually going to be excluding things you know you're when you look at things um, and you want to narrow your focus, you can you can have a broad sense of technique and style um, and subject matter. But at some point you have to ex- say this is this is not this does not fit with what I'm doing. Right. And the best work overall, I mean, if you were just objectively to judge someone's work, the best work, I think, is going to be the stuff that they connect with personally. Right. And they have managed to put um sustained focus into it um so in the last episode we talked about kind of the positive comfort zones where you're you're in a groove right which can help you sustain your focus on a single subject right um 
and these, you know, they, they give you this feeling of change and exploration. Sometimes, though, when people are doing this kind of scattered approach to their work and they're trying, you know, every, t- every month at something new or constantly uh, buying more art supplies. <laughs> well, we all do that, but um, constantly looking for the next new thing, the next thing that's going to get them excited. And it you can fool yourself, you know, for a long time with that. And as I said, so for a long time when you're starting out, it's fine. It's what you should be doing. How long have you been doing this? You know, <laughs> um, because it it can become a little bit of a defense. Like, well, look, I'm just I'm just exploring. Uh, and and if that really is what you want, I wouldn't say anything against it. It it always gets down to is it really? Are you really happy with that, or is it some sort of? Um, avoidance behavior right well you don't want to become a career student where you're you know kind of constantly changing direction and you know there's there's a a lot of people who are who are kind of my age you know who are going into their 30s you know who are who are still working on a a a degree you know yeah and they they've been in school for the past 10 years you know and they've switched majors four times they may never have to leave yeah (laughs) and face the real world although their student debt will be incredible (laughs) right well and that's that's exactly right you know it's if you the longer you delay that that kind Kind of um, zeroing in on what you're really good at, and and really developing a style, and developing a voice, and um, you know, kind of excluding things that don't fit with what you're doing. Um, you know, the longer that process takes you, the the more. Um, negative consequences there's going to be because you've lost all this time and you've potentially, you know, spent a bunch of money um, going through this process. Yeah, no kidding. Um, The avoidance behavior basically, you know, isn't a good practice. We all do it to some extent, but the consequences are rarely good. They're rarely positive. And when you're when you're avoiding actually committing to something in your work, you know, what What are you avoiding? You're avoiding um, the frustration of what's going to happen. I mean, you're going to, if you, when you decide you're going to delve into something deeply, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And um, if you turn away from it every time you hit a wall and say, well, time for the next thing, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get to that good level. You have to go through that hard stuff. Um, you avoid criticism. It's it's a deflective thing. You can say, "Well, I can't I can't look at your work and criticize it and say, well, I don't think you've quite figured this out." And you say, "Well, of course not. I'm I'm still I'm playing around with it, you know, and I've been doing that for five years, you know, <laughs> but I'm still just experimenting." And so you avoid ever having to really face the uh, an objective criticism of your work, uh, you know somebody saying i think you need to work on composition or something <laughs> because oh i'm but i'm more interested in the materials or i'm more interested in figuring out how to do this thing than the composition or whatever it is and and as an instructor i have i'm kind of speaking from experience here i i have had these conversations with people uh you avoid the necessity to explain your work or or really understand it because this fallback thing of i'm just playing around you know, that works for a long time. Um, and I think you also avoid success. <laughs> and and I don't, 
I'm not going to go into why people avoid success. I don't understand the psychology of that myself, but it's a recognized thing that many people will sort of undermine their own efforts at success. Yeah, self sabotage is yeah. is a huge problem with people. Yeah, um, and uh, we've we've done other episodes on on kind of mindset, um, and uh, and trying to you know improve your attitude and and think mm-hmm. about your goals and things like that. Um, but uh, I I I see it in my own life with with people in my personal life who, um, you know they. Uh, I, I, you know, I tell them like when they're worried about something, you know, I, I, I'll tell them, Hey, I, I think that you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot with this, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're yeah. holding yourself back with, with whatever this is. And, you know, it's time to move forward. Yeah. And there's, I don't know, like I said, there's underlying issues to all that, that neither one of us is really qualified to talk right. about. Why, why do people do that? But if you, you know, when you're, looking at your own art practice, it may be that you're skipping around a lot because at some level, you don't want to enter that world where you're going to be judged or criticized about your work, whether you're having gallery shows or whatever it is where other people are weighing in on things. And so always playing is kind of a way to avoid that, really. Um, Well, and I think that people are maybe afraid of giving their all to something and really doing their best and putting everything into something and then failing, you know? Yeah. When I was writing up notes for this episode, I thought it's a little bit like a personal, like a commitment to a person Yeah, uh, in a relationship. Right. Right. You, uh, if you never commit, you don't really have to go through those hard parts and, and those challenges that come in any relationship. Uh, you, you never have to, experience that you know whatever it is the bad stuff right you can hit a bump in the road and just kind of scrap it and move along to the next thing yeah um and i it is i mean i've talked to to a lot of artists who are are sincerely interested in improving their work in improving their work and they don't they don't really see that this is happening that they that they're stuck in this level of experimentation because it sounds good, right? It sounds um, it's easy to justify. You have a lot of interests. There's so many things to try. Um, you're and and they can feel quite excited about what they're doing. They can feel good about it, and and may not see it as a problem. And I want to say, it's not necessarily a problem if if you're happy with it and if that's what you want to do. I can't say don't do that, but I would say it's probably your work probably isn't going to go to a level where it's being taken more seriously by other people. But if it is what you want to do, again, it's a matter of being aware. Are you making that choice? Is it what you do want to do? Or is there something about it that just is you're a negative comfort zone that you're happy playing around for a very long time. Well, and, and maybe anywhere. reaching your, your full potential as an artist isn't really something that you're concerned about. Right. And, and that's and if, okay. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was growing up, um, you know, I'd always have some teacher who, you know, wanted to turn me into <laughs> whatever, whatever they didn't quite achieve or something, you know, like they would want me to be a concert pianist well, or you, a scientist you... or whatever. And, you know, I, these were things that maybe I had some some interest in but I, I didn't want to 
do for the rest of my life. Right. You know? And you were you were a kid who was good at a lot of things on at least that basic, you know, superficial level. Right. And and I you, wasn't a sports kid, but I see it with sports kids all yeah, the time, you know, yeah. where where they have some, you know, skill in in whatever sport they're in and their parents are like, "Oh, this yeah. kid's going to go to the major leagues," you know. And, <laughs> and children are a great example of try everything. Yes. And, and yes. enjoy a lot of things. They right. you know, and you, be honest with yourself about what what you think you can right. do over the long term, and not you know teachers or parents saying, "Oh well, you you were very good in that play. I think you should go into theater," and and inside you're thinking, "Well, it was a fun play, but right. <laughs> <laughs> not that I want to do it again." You yeah, know? and it's fine to have that attitude about art, where it's just you are just playing around, and yeah, and, and and it's you know you need to make the decision. Hey, is this something where I want to push it to my full potential, or is it something that I just want to do for fun? Yeah, and and you truly enjoy it, and we're not going to say anything against that. But if you ask yourself, you know, are you really happy with this, and you're not. Um, I think that's a good step if, you know, at least question it and discover whether it's what you really want. And you can ask questions like, um, when you look at what you've been doing over the last few years, are there, is there some core interest there? Is there something that ties all this together? And if there is, you're not far off track. Um, does your personal voice come through in some overall sense? Is there some, um, connection are there maybe some visual elements that you're very interested in that always come through do people recognize the work as yours even though it's in many different forms um do you can you talk about your work or do you really not have much to say except i'm playing i'm experimenting um have you ever spent time really developing any of these things that you're interested in have you given them any focused attention over time? And if if someone saw an exhibit of your work, if you had a one-person show, say, and you put in all these different things that you do, would someone coming into your exhibit see a connection? Would they sense you and everything? Or would it be they'd feel like, well, is this a show by five different people? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um and you may not be able to see that. It may be that something where you need feedback on on that sort of thing. So if if you ask yourself your those questions and you come to the conclusion that hey maybe maybe I have been skimming around a bit. I'm I'm not really going deeper. I'm not being as satisfied with my work as I'd like to be. How do I change this? How do I move past this? And to me, the central idea is something we have brought up a lot is it gets back to your intentions for your work, what you want for your work. And when you know that, and that's a process of self-reflection, when you know that what you want in your work is this or that, that automatically brings some focus to everything. And no matter what then you're trying to explore, you're playing around with, you're going to bring bring consciously those intentions to it. If you need to write them down and put them on the wall, if you need to s tell them to yourself constantly, but once you once you embed them in yourself, they tend to come through. And this really, um, to me, is the most basic thing to, to change your work, to move it up a level, to make it more you, to make it more consistent, more interesting, more personal. 
um, and have that personal voice, it's so key. Um, well, and, and you're a, a kind of a scattered approach can be intentional as well. Um, you know, I, when I look at kind of my own scattered approach in my life, um, you know, there's certain things that I, that I do, um, purely for money, you know, and that's like bartending and driving Uber, you know, that's Uh, what, that's what pays the bills, you know, those aren't your core interests in life. (laughs) Right. Right. And then, you know, I have this podcast, um, and, uh, I have, uh, a couple of other businesses, um, and, and hopefully, you know, my business ventures will end up replacing those other things that are, are purely kind of monetary, mm-hmm. you know, they, they fill a role in my life, but there's something that I'm pretty anxious to drop, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to not doing those things anymore. Right. Some of the tales you tell about Uber. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what you're saying is. You know, you're self-aware. You you right. can say this thing is for this reason. Right. This thing is for this reason. Um, at some point, I want to drop this other thing. Yeah, and it's difficult because I have you know five things on my plate. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and but, I think artists can identify with that. Right. If you look at your all the things that you are pursuing or have pursued in the recent past, try to see some kind of pattern in it. I mean, I guess as far as your artwork goes, what are things that are really just experimental and you can let them go and say that was interesting now it's gone a lot of times people tend to hang on to things because they have put time into it and they say well you know i spent um, a lot of money going to a printmaking workshop and i feel like i should be doing printmaking or something you've invested something in it and i know that's true for some of the things you've done you hang on to them for a while because you think well uh Maybe something will pay me back for what I've put into this. And then at some point, you cut your losses and say, "Mm, no, moving on. Right. (laughs) And it's just as true for stuff you do in the studio as as in any business or other part of your life. And looking back, you can also say, this worked. This I'm interested in. This seems like a portal to where I want to be going. And that's where you can put your focus. Well, and I and I look too about at the various projects that I have done, and over the last few years, they've become more and more kind of developed. You know, I started with uh, cutting up pieces of granite to make drink stones, yeah. and and that you know it made us like it was a f- fine, yeah, it was <laughs> fine. I made a little bit of money at it, and you know it it. I still make a little bit of money at it, but it's, I'm shifting my focus away from it. Um, and you know, this podcast is like, it's really a passion project. Um, but you know, we're getting to the point where we might want to start like building out a website is something we've talked about doing today yeah. and, um, you know, start, start kind of moving it in a more professional attraction. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, I have my, my CBD beverage company that is actually doing quite well. And we just got picked up by a major distributor, yeah. hopefully six months or a year down the line, that's going to be, you know, a very developed business and going to be paying me a good income. So, and, and yeah, I mean, I think those examples show kind of a, again, a self-awareness, a conscious kind of plan and, you know, as artists, I think that's a good thing. If you, if you're, if you're wanting to bring your work to a more professional level, having some kind of plan or this thing I want to grow, this thing I want to be five years from now, I want to be very, very, um, 
I want to attain mastery of acrylic painting or whatever it is. In the meantime, some of these other things can help me get there, but I have this other um, focus. And so it's, um, you know, there's no hard and fast rules about this, but I think you know, from your experience with having tried many different businesses, there is an analogy there of the artists trying so many different um, media and styles and approaches and workshops and this and that. And each time it's quite exciting. You get like, oh, yeah, this might be the thing, you know. And then and then it plays out. And you see, you have to take an honest look at how it played out and whether it's going anywhere. Um, one of the things I, when you're have a lot of things going on around you uh sometimes you need to physically put them away right <laughs> i mean you don't physically want to look at the drink stones all the time they're not sitting out on a table or something because you've moved past it really you're still doing it a bit but it's not your focus in the studio putting some of that stuff away <laughs> physically putting it away so you don't have to look at it you won't be as distracted by it um holding yourself accountable to another person and whether you have a business partner as you do now or whether um, as an artist you have a friend who agrees to come in and talk to you about what you're doing now and then and you could do the same for them you, uh, you can help each other stay on track because your friend can call you on stuff and, and they come in and then you tell them you're working on your cold wax paintings and they come to see you and you're like, oh, let me show you all these other things I'm doing. <laughs> like, wait, 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 what about the cold wax paintings? You know, um, they can keep you on track, help you. And it has to be an honest person and you have to do the same for them. But that can be good because we, we can be quite blind by what we're doing, about what we're doing, I think. Our own, our own weak spots. We're not, always hard to see them, right? So yeah, and having somebody in your life who's honest with you about those things is extremely valuable. It really uh, is, and and it can be, um, it can sometimes feel hurtful when that person mm -hmm. says things to you in honesty that you don't want to hear. And it, this does not have but, to be another artist either. It right. can be your life partner, your significant other, uh, it can be a family member who just knows enough to know that you said you were going to develop your acrylic painting or whatever it is, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> right. But that, that person who's going to be honest with you and hold you accountable for what you say, um, you know, that, that can be someone that people tend to push away and, and whoever that is in your life, you need uh -huh. to make sure you hold on to that person. <laughs> right. And, and be honest with them. Yes. Uh, yes. So anyway, all that to say, uh, we're, you know, I really don't want to pass judgment on saying everybody has to go deeply into their work and explore in this more focused way, but that is that is a an earmark of a professional artist who goes um, who who weathers the frustrations, who pushes and pursues something. Again, um, when we talked to Steve Immerman a couple of weeks ago. I was impressed that he uh, taught himself to do what he does, and he taught himself to do it without the... He told us this later after the interview. He pushed himself to learn to fuse glass without the kind of equipment that he now owns in his basement. He's got some wonderful um, different types of machinery that he took us down and showed us, but he didn't have all that in the beginning. He had to work it out self-taught, learning this stuff without the help of this other stuff, and... 
you know, it was an impressive pushing through of what was difficult. And I just think that so many times when people don't go deeper, it's because it's too hard to push through. And they don't, there's a lack of focus and motivation uh, to do that. And if, if it's really what you want to take your work to that next level, you have to face those things. I, I feel like I'm being a little bit, a uh, mm, little harsh for me maybe in this episode. Just a little, <laughs> I'm usually very nice, very tactful. Yeah, but, I'm usually the bad cop. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I, I just, it's something that has just, it's just kind of been bothering me lately because there's this it, it's a i find it in some people a defensive posture towards me as an instructor that i'm just playing and in a workshop maybe that's perfectly fine but ongoing are you just playing are you just and and play also has some very positive connotations which i'm acknowledging right now it's experimenting but experimenting and playing should end up somewhere shouldn't it i mean Shouldn't it bring you somewhere that you're willing to, to dig in then? Uh, well, do you have any, any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, I think um, if you recognize this scattershot approach as a problem for you, and that's a big if, and that involves self-reflection, if it is something you're not happy with in your own work, then I hope some of the things we've talked about have been helpful in identifying it and moving past it. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.